Hey, and welcome to the Open Doors podcast, the Open Door Presbyterian Church here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name's John. I am uh, one of the pastors of the Open Door. And this past Sunday, we worshiped at Garfield Community Farm, which is a ministry that we support and founded um, and just are closely connected with. And we have worshiped there every once in a while. So the podcast, uh, you'll hear outdoor noises. We uh, you'll hear some wind throughout um, the sermon. Unfortunately, it's like a little bit annoying. It's not too bad. Um, tried to EQ it out. Um, this podcast, though, is a really special one. It's uh, Heather List. Heather is a Appalachian Trail through hiker. She just finished uh, this past September. She's also been a member of the Open Door for um, over a decade. Uh, her and her husband Nick and her story of completing the trail is pretty awesome as I imagine most stories of completing something as incredible as hiking over 2,000 miles would be. So uh, here uh, is Renee Primus reading our scripture and then you'll hear from Heather, hear her story and how God has worked uh, and is working uh, in her life. Pretty awesome, so enjoy. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him, Jesus, in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we have the amazing opportunity to hear from Heather List. She, as you probably know, finished the Appalachian Trail on August, what was it? September 5th. September 5th. Woo! 
Heather and Nick have been a part of the Open Door um, since I can remember. Very, yeah, long time ago. Been a part of the Open Door, um, and this year it worked out in Heather's life for her to do this amazing, amazing thing that I think everybody in their life at some point thinks, "Huh, I wonder, I wonder if I could do that." I don't. Most people say I don't really want to. But I wonder if I could. I love hiking and backpacking, and I'm one of those people who's like, huh, I wonder if I could do that. I don't really want to. Um, but I wonder if I could. And the answer is, I probably couldn't, because I get injured. And most people do. What's the percentage of people who actually finish? Like 25%. 25%. So, um, Heather's going to read uh, read another scripture and share with us. So let's Let's pray, and, and then we'll welcome Heather up. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it sustains us and teaches us and builds us and binds us together as a community. Um, pray that you would bless Heather today as she shares your word with us and her story with us. Um, we pray that our ears would be ready to hear what it is you want us to hear from your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let's give Heather a hand. Well, first, I also want to say that I have the honor of introducing my hiking partner, Mimi. She's also here, and she also did the application trail, so. <laughs> and her parents are also here. Um, I also want to start by reading another scripture. Um, so this is Psalm 19, 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. Not, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its work. So I know you're thinking, what does Caesar have to do with the Appalachian Trail? But don't worry, I have a plan. <laughs> um, the last time I stood before you to share part of my story back in February, I talked about the decision process to basically deciding to do the Appalachian Trail. I talked about my fear of leaving my job um, was kind of the hardest part of that decision. Um, I talked about how losing my dad um, basically gave me the courage to say yes um, and to kind of fuel the flames of me not wanting to take anything for granted. Um, and I also talked about my excitement to approach the AT with open hands, just to experience whatever had the trail had to offer. And I'm honored to be here today to kind of give you a little bit of um, what that looked like and how it impacted my life. Um, first, I want to provide some general context on what hiking the Appalachian Trail was like. Um, it did take us about five and a half months. Um, my hiking partner Mimi and I started on March 20th. Um, it was freezing cold in the 30s, but the sun was shining. Uh, we had registered with the Georgia Appalachian Trail Club the day before, so there was nothing for us to do on the first day of our hike but just to start. So Nick drove us to the parking lot. Um, we stood there. Um, he gave us each handwritten <laughs> letters of encouragement, which we could barely read because they were handwritten by Nick. Um, <laughs> um, and then he prayed over us, and we walked under the arch, and our journey had begun. Um, we were so full of excitement and a lot of anxiety, at least for me, about what we had gotten ourselves into. <laughs> um, we 
were, I mean, at least I was just terrified and worried that an injury or some other physical or mental limitation would prevent me from finishing. Um, we also, in the first couple of weeks, we met a couple friends that we would stay in touch with through the remainder of the hike. Uh, we quickly bonded over the new experience of through hiking. Um, and about two weeks into the journey, we stopped in North Carolina at the Nantahala River Outdoor Center for dinner. Um, they had a big, I'll never forget this, they had a big AT map and we saw it and we were like, oh, that's the map of the whole AT. And we walked up to it and we were like, we're at, oh. <laughs> we, are, we are basically, we didn't even do anything. <laughs> we're still down at the bottom. So um, it definitely was, um, it wasn't disheartening. I think if anything, it was more um, empowering and it really fueled our desire to just keep going. Um, our general routine um, in the first couple of weeks was to uh, basically wake up in the freezing cold. We would pack up our stuff, pack up the tent, make breakfast, filter water if we had to, hike for four to 12 hours, and then it was time for our nighttime routine, which is basically cook dinner, hang the bear bag, filter water again, and then go to sleep. Um, during the time, the first couple weeks on trail, the routine that we developed was um, really important and it just kind of felt like a settling in to prepare for the rest of the experience. Uh, we also quickly decided which one of our backpacking meals was the best and the worst and on the subject of the tuna noodle casserole I'm afraid we have to agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, after about the first month we began to regain confidence in our body's ability to heal. Um, the pain that we had in our feet and our legs just became a fact of life. I didn't see it as an enemy to accomplishing our goal. It was just something that was part of the experience. Um, sleeping in the woods became easier and I grew less jumpy at hearing sounds and noises in the night. Um, I think having a partner with me definitely made it more comfortable, even though we would probably both just get eaten by the bear, at least we wouldn't be alone. So. <laughs> Um, and sometime in the first half of the trail, we also started doing what we started to call downhill prayers. Um, every day, or at least every day that we remembered, we would wait until the downhill part of the morning, um, and we would just pray for protection over our bodies, to have our hike be blessed, and to also lift up um, prayer requests for our friends, family, and the world. Uh, we had to wait till the downhill part because it was really hard to breathe and talk while going uphill, so that's, uh, we just kind of fit it in whenever it made sense. We didn't allow ourselves to think about the second half of the trail until we hit the halfway point um, in Pine Grove Furnace State Park in Pennsylvania, which we call Rocksylvania, and most other hikers do. Uh, by the time we had hiked 1,100 miles, we finally believed that we could hike 2,200. We settled even deeper into the routine of grizzled backpackers and grew to love the trail unconditionally. Um, I remember having a conversation with Mimi about just how amazing the trail experience was, um, even though it was difficult, and although we knew the lifestyle was unsustainable long-term, um, we both agreed that we would be so sad when it was over. We leaned into the joy and the gratitude of being on the trail, and we used our physical misery as fuel for our sick and twisted senses of humor. Um, this strategy was put to the test as we got to New England, when we were just buffeted by swarms of mosquitoes and were almost beaten to death by rainstorms. Um, as the conditions grew more difficult, so did the payoff of our efforts to continue choosing to move forward. The mountains grew taller and the views grew just more expansive and more amazing. And with every step we grew closer to our final goal. When we hit the final state of Maine, we only had 282 miles left. Um, this was a section of trail where people tend to start rushing because they are tired and they just want to go home. We made an intentional, an intentional effort 
to not rush, actually slowing down a little to enjoy more of the through hiker life. We were also getting tired, and so going slower was just more the um, natural progression of things. <laughs> uh, we hung out with hostel and hotel owners. We took our first, first ever zero day just based on the weather forecast. We made s'mores over our camp stove. Um, we took a break in um, one day of hiking. We canoed around the foothill, the water in the foothills of Mount Katahdin, just basically enjoying the sunshine and the journey itself. Uh, one of our hiker friends, whose name was Rod, who we'd met on our first day, was several weeks ahead of us, um, and he kept texting us for updates, knowing that we were getting close. And when we told him that we had slowed down just to suck the marrow out of the AT experience, his response was very simple, you guys are crazy. <laughs> we leaned into the AT experience as much as possible in Maine, and when it came time to end our journey, we did so with full knowledge that we hadn't missed out on anything, and that we hadn't left anything on the table. We summoned Katahdin on September 5th with a small army of friends and family by our side. And although tears were shed, they were tears of joy, gratitude, pride, um, and grief over losing my dad. Although we knew the world that we would miss, the AT, we weren't sad that the journey was over. Um, I could talk about the AT for weeks, <laughs> um, to, and it would take me a long time to describe fully what it was like to live on the AT. Um, I did a lot of homework and reading before you left. I tried to research it as best I could, but nothing would prepare me for the experience of truly living that every day. Um, there are definitely things that stand out as highlights, like the time we were sleeping in a shelter and we actually had a porcupine come into the shelter and start chewing on some of the furniture just a few feet away from us. Um, not proud of how I responded, but it's, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but there was also just the daily activities that seem kind of strange now, but were so normal on the trail. Things like waking up to the sounds of birdsong or um, to a babbling brook. Um, becoming an expert in now useless skills like throwing a rope over a tree branch to hang a bear bag. <laughs> and the consistent balance between resting our bodies and pushing through the pain. Um, it felt like a luxury to be able to focus on just the few steps ahead of me at any given time and maybe plan out my life a few days at a time. Um, but it was also extremely difficult. Uh, we had some really rough times on the trail, um, and we both had a few low moments, but we still never ever wanted to quit, not even for a moment. Um, I've been home now for about six weeks, um, and parts of the trail are already start starting to feel like a dream as I become reaccustomed to just life at home. Um, in addition to the memories, um, I do still have a few physical reminders of hiking the AT. Things like the pain in my knees, or my swollen Achilles tendons, or a few scars from my backpacking straps. Um, and the time, it was so such a full experience that I'm still processing, and I'm sure I'll be kind of, um, the experience will kind of morph and mean different things to me as my life progresses, but I'm excited to share just a couple of things with you today that I'm processing through right now. Um, and there's three things I want to talk about. Uh, one is identity, two is God's creation, and three is community. Here. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is self-worth and identity. Um, for those of you who remember hearing me talk back in February, it was extremely difficult for me to choose the Appalachian Trail. Um, I was terrified that leaving my job would make me less of a professional, that I was um, jeopardizing my lifelong career, which is something that's, that was very important to me. Um, and most of all, I was worried that by walking away from my work, for, or for my job, that I was jeopardizing my vocation as a Christian who happened to be hiding out in an industrial manufacturing facility. Um, I've heard the give unto Caesar scripture countless times since I was a child, and I admittedly struggled to um, truly internalize what that specifically meant for my life. Um, obviously, we all pay taxes, but is that really all the scripture's about? 
Um, the IT helped me understand that I was taking something that was inherently good, like working really hard at a job, and turning it, that validation into, or that professional validation, into an idol. I was losing or ignoring the part of myself that was fearfully and wonderfully made to be loved by God for who I am. Um, I was taking what was God and giving it to Caesar. Taking what was God's and giving it to Caesar. I told you I had a plan. <laughs> Um, quitting my job was the hardest part of the AT, um, but once I had committed to doing the AT and I was actually on it, everything else felt easy by comparison. Um, and it definitely wasn't easy, but it was easy by comparison. Stepping away from my normal life gave me distance from my biggest distractions and provided me the space to reevaluate my purpose and see myself closer to the way that God sees me. Uh, one of the fascinating parts of the AT culture is the trail name, which is a nickname that all through hikers get. Typically, they're bestowed upon you by another hiker. Um, and it could be things like um, a personality trait, like being called string bean if you're super tall and skinny. Um, you could be named for where you're from, like bluegrass if you're from Kentucky. Um, or you could be named for something cool or really embarrassing that you do. Um, most of my favorite trail names were actually things that people were named for unfortunate bathroom accidents. So if you want to talk about that, ask me after I'm done. <laughs> um, and my hiking partner's name was Meadow. And um, I'll just share with you the story of how I got my trail name. Um, for most of the trail, I actually carried a sleeve of Oreos with me for <laughs> just moral support, obviously. Um, but also at the end of every day, we would share one or a couple just to basically celebrate a day well done and basically say, it's kind of like signing our names at the end of the day. Um, and one day when we were in the Smokies, I offered this leave to Meadow and I said, oh, it's time for our victory Oreos. And one of our um, hiking friends was like, boom, your victory. Um, and at first I didn't like the name victory. It sounded presumptuous to me, if not downright arrogant. And, uh, but I spent a couple days just kind of feeling it out. And I realized that the biggest victory for me was deciding to do the Appalachian Trail in the first place. The victory doesn't necessarily mean winning or defeating. Um, for me, it was kind of becoming this person who wasn't obsessed with my job. And so I realized that victory was perfect. Um, for the remainder of the trail, I became and leaned into my trail self who became victory. Um, and victory became a, a version of me that was closer to who I meant to be. Um, since returning from the AT, I'm obviously back to being Heather most of the time, um, but victory will always be a part of me. Um, I'm currently looking for work, but also trying to keep my priorities straight, and um, I'm going to work to be intentional about not losing myself and my job ever again. Uh, working to keep my identity focused on God instead of worldly things, like Caesar, will likely always be a part of my spiritual journey, but um, now I kind of have a better picture of what that might look like, and it's kind of something I can work towards. Um, I also want to spend some time talking about having joy in the wilderness and delighting in God's creation. Um, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Um, obviously, this is something that we value very much as a community, So, um, but I can't not talk about nature in the talk on the AT. Um, living in the woods for almost six months was just an incredible, incredible opportunity to experience nature and God's creation in a way that a lot of people don't get to these days. You know, we had... We were a captive audience with front row seats to the change, the slow changing of seasons over time and then the quick changing of weather from an hour to hour basis. Um, how topography changes from the southern part of the country to the northern part of the country, the overwhelming variety of plants and birds, um, and the beautiful necessity of water contrasted with its sometimes terrifying power to destroy. Um, although getting rained on and totally soaked wasn't my favorite part of the AT experience, it gave me the opportunity to radical, practice radical acceptance over something that was outside of my control. 
Uh, we saw so many incredibly beautiful things on the trail that I got sick of hearing myself say wow, because I said it a lot. Um, just a few things come to mind are the White Mountains in New Hampshire. We saw um, the mountains of Georgia and North Carolina. We saw them from a fire tower in the morning when the sun had just risen. That was incredibly beautiful. Uh, pretty much any view of Katahdin, not Katahdin, this northern terminus just took our breaths away. Um, Psalm 19 shows us that recognizing the glory of God's creation and praising the works of his hands is good with a capital G and is worship. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Uh, one of my favorite views was attained after climbing a rickety ladder up to the roof of a decrepit shelter. Um, and once we got over the fear of falling through the roof to our deaths, uh, we were able to actually enjoy a view of the setting sun. Um, and I actually, I had brought a picture, I don't have it with me, but um, I'm hoping that someday, um, maybe next week, I can bring it along to the, one of the potlucks. Um, but as I stood on the metal roof, just um, next to my hiking partner and a few other hikers, it was just um, this overwhelming sense of peace. Um, I didn't necessarily hear God's voice in that moment. I didn't necessarily have this radical spiritual epiphany, but just this sense of peace that I had and the, just the work of God's hands that we were looking at just gave me such a sense of calm and I knew that it was a gift from God. Um, delighting in God's creation, whether it be nature itself or an ability or talent of humankind, is part of our call to have dominion over the earth. Being in nature or going for a bike ride or learning to sing or play the guitar or listen to people, listening to other people play the guitar, um, fighting for social justice and loving our neighbors, making art or doing woodworking, brewing beer, and otherwise engaging in the world around us. These are all part of God's creation and all things that we can delight in as an act of worship. Um, I also want to talk about community. Um, so one of the best parts of hiking the AT were the people we met along the way. Um, I had heard that the trail community was robust, but I was totally wildly unprepared for the unbelievable generosity of total strangers. Um, the one thing that all of us had in common on the trail is that we were hiking the Appalachian Trail and that just seemed to be enough to bind us together as a community and that one thing was enough to make everyone so shockingly willing to be vulnerable and share at least a part of their story. Um, we met people from a variety of backgrounds with, uh, there were a variety of reasons that people were on the trail. Um, we um, met people who were hiking to clear their head after experiencing, well, speaking of which, there's like a six point over there. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> um, neat. <laughs> I did, yes. I lured him to here. <laughs> um, so that's actually a really good example of just the, some of the things that would happen on the trail just to stop and make you realize that there's there's another world other than myself or, or what I'm experiencing. Um, so in terms of some of the stories that we heard, we met people who uh, were hiking on the trail because of PTSD from a previous job as a law, law enforcement officer. Uh, we met a man who had lost his 24-year-old son to a drug overdose and was hiking the trail to not just um, get closure on his son's passing, but also reconnect with his son in a really, really deep way. Uh, we also met several people who had waited their whole lives to hike the Appalachian Trail and they were finally there to pursue their dreams. Uh, we also met a guy named, from Pittsburgh who ate earthworms because he thought it was funny. <laughs> and he also carried a, this huge flag that said, live a good story. Um, although not everyone on the AT knew God, almost everyone we met was interested in human connection to some level. 
Um, even in the modern wilderness of hiking the AT, we were never alone. Um, having Mimi as a trail partner, don't look at me, <laughs> um, is one of the greatest gifts of my life. <laughs> um, and she was just an incredible, um, a shining example of, <laughs> of kindness and steadfast courage and um, again, our sick and twisted sense of humor really found a home in each other. Um, but having her as my community was such an incredible gift and somebody who I had to um, draw strength from and also um, support as well. Um, at one point in the White Mounds of New Hampshire, um, another hiker named Cruise Control saw that we were struggling with the stream crossing. crossing. And by struggling, I mean I was literally just standing there looking at it because <laughs> I was like about to nope right out of there. I was looking up and down the stream for a different way to go. Um, and he had already crossed the stream, but he was watching to making, make sure that we were safe. Um, and when he realized that we were not going to go that way, he came right back out into the middle of the stream and held out his hand and he said, take my hand. And he said, if you jump across this, I will not let you fall. Um, and so he did. Um, he helped me over and then he helped Mimi over. Um, and after we had all made it safely to the other side, we stopped and we talked to each other for a while. And I was just shocked at how kind and how patient he was. And, um, you know, we thanked him profusely and he said, what else are we here if not to help each other? Um, so I thought that that was um, just Could a beautiful example. Jesus. Did you look? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was weirdly kind. Like, he, he just had this sense of peace. And then. so maybe it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's important to support others and also accept help from others. Um, the idea that any one of us can be totally, totally self-sufficient is foolishness. Um, God created us to be relational, and therefore it is part of our purpose and our vocation to need others. Helping and being helped by others allows us to experience humanity and foster humility in ourselves and reminds us that we are only saved by God's grace. I am no less of a thru-hiker because I had an amazing hiking partner or because friends and family were supporting me or because my hiking partner and I delved into community with other hikers. If anything, we just became stronger people and stronger hikers because of it. Um, vulnerability and authenticity are important for relationships and for our spiritual lives. And getting to know other people um, and their true selves is just another way that we can delight in God's creation of others as a unique part of God's creation. The openness of strangers on the AT created a whole new facet of human beauty to the AT experience, um, and it's one that I hope to foster and carry forward into life. So my journey on the AT was both humbling and, and empowering, it was beautiful and scary, um, it was easy and difficult in different ways. Um, it's an experience that I'll never forget and one that I'm still processing and hoping to find ways to use my experience to bless others. Um, it is such a blessing and a privilege to be a part of the spiritual community um, of the Open Door that already values true identity in Christ, God's creation, and deep and authentic community. Um, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be here to share a tiny piece of the AT experience with you, and I really appreciate all the support that we had for the journey. That's it. Happy trails, everybody. So glad you were able to listen in to Heather's story. Um, she will... Uh, undoubtedly have more to tell so come out on a Sunday morning um, to where we worship at the Neighborhood Academy 1030 a.m. every Sunday except uh, except when we worship at the farm which is very nearby if you show up at the Neighborhood Academy there's somebody there to direct you up to the farm 
which is our uh, mission partner and um, ministry connection right up the street from the Open Door Church. Um, the music you're hearing today, this is one of my favorite songs that we recorded, um, and it's called The Reveal. It's by Project 68. It's uh, my wife and I and other musicians from our church. Uh, enjoy as you hear the end of that song. <laughs> 